What's up, everybody? Jay Miller here, bringing another Productivity in Tech podcast. My guest this week is Dave Rail. Dave is the host of the Developer on Fire podcast, a show that's been going on for a very long time. In fact, it has over 430 episodes at this point, but I'm really excited about this conversation because Dave is someone in, in spite of the long tenure that he's had in podcasting, I just started getting to know recently. And I've been working with Dave, trying to learn a little bit more about him, his podcast and and the guests that he has. And the conversation that we have is really, really interesting. In fact, we talk a lot about what it's like to host a show, how that affects us as podcasters, and also what we hope that we can do as podcasters to help our guests and our, our audience people listening like you so sit back enjoy this conversation that i have with dave rail and i hope that you're able to get something out of it and speaking of getting something out of it if you have been listening to pit for a while now and you're like i really enjoy this i want to you know get to know jay i want to get to know the community more we have a slack channel and if you go to productivityintech.com scroll down to where it says community you can join that slack channel absolutely free And if you want to even give back and maybe gain a few extra perks in the process, like a private feed and a direct line to me, you can also sign up for our Pit Premium membership. It's $10 a month or $100 a year, but that gives you direct access to me where I help out with productivity questions, technology questions, career questions, whatever you feel you need help with at the time. And if I don't have an answer for you, I will do my best to find someone that does. But... You came to hear good conversation, so here it is, my conversation with Dave Rell. I mean, I wanted to get to know you better as a podcaster, as um, a developer. Um, one, because you're one of the the people. Like I've had, I've had people on the podcast that I've known for man, a few years now, probably three, four, almost five years. But it's rare that I get to meet someone. And then on top of that, also get to kind of work with them and and kind of see a little bit of the work behind them. So um, I normally don't do like a big, hey, let's start by, you know, explaining who you are. But um, for the listeners, because the listeners have probably not heard of you unless they subscribe to your podcast, which, by the way, thank you for uh, tuning in, people listening. And um, let's take a second and make sure that we know, like, we're covering all the ground as to who Dave Rail is. Yeah, I I have been uh, historically a a you know your uh, prototypical geek, right? I, I I always thought in in my career 
that I have I have this uh, this nature of being good with machines, not good with people. And so, you know, I was kind of the uh, the stereotype of the geek who who wants to you know get some some coding task, some programming thing, build a system. And I'll design your system, I'll build it, all of that stuff. But uh, I don't want to have too many meetings, right? I don't want to have to deal with uh, with too many people, and that's that's not really my strong suit. And I was wrong about that, right? So I, I think that's that's kind of my my big awakening from being a podcaster is that is that hey man I'm I'm better with people than I ever thought I was, and I think that that's that's probably the biggest message, the biggest takeaway that I can have from from my experience in this is that I think most of us are that way that uh, the, the the things that are holding us back in terms of human interaction are really self imposed limitations rather than it really being true that we're not people, persons, per persons, people, people, however you say that, right? So, you know, yeah, I, I'm a developer through and through, but I think I'm, I'm also a people person is something that I would realize now. So uh, th that I think is kind of a little introduction as, as who I am as a podcaster and developer. Now, of course, if, you know, who am I? The, the most important thing in the world is that I'm a dad. Right, so I got three kids, and they they all uh, they're they're just amazing human beings, and and the, the the most remarkable thing I've ever experienced in my life is is taking these these people from being completely helpless infants to being the the strong independent. Uh, you know, uh, almost grown up, right? My oldest daughter is 12 years old. And I, I, I just, sometimes I just, I'm astounded at how, how close she is to being an adult. It's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty wild for me to even think about it. So my kids are uh, 12, 11, and nine, girl, girl, boy. And they're the light of my life and the joy of my life. So I think that's, that's the other part of really who I am. Cool. And, and one of the things that, that you do that I really like, and, and this is as a listener to your podcast, which by the way, I don't think you mentioned the, the name of your podcast. Um, right. Developer on fire, developer on fire.com is the, uh, is the, the website out there. So yeah, I mean, and the, the gist of the show is that uh, at the time that I started it, and I don't think it's really so much the case anymore, but at the time I started the podcast, most developer podcasts were about tech. Right. It's it's some guest coming on and talking about the thing that they're working on. And I just thought what was missing was a, a, a podcast more about developers than about development. So the, the gist is uh, that, you know, this this activity of writing software is something that really lights us up. And I want to get into what is it that makes makes a developer who they are and kind of expose the human side of the craft and, and really get into the stories of the people that are doing software. Software. So yeah, developer on fire, and uh, and yeah, it's it's all about the stories, and and that's I I think that's what attracted me to the podcast initially, and uh, a big a big thing with with Pitt is that we're about making people more like it, it's not about cranking out more widgets, it's not about checking off tasks or hitting inbox zero, it's about achieving more and, and being more. And, and that is something that, like you said, you know, starting out, it was, it was a lot about, you know, we're going to talk developer with developer people doing developer things in the developer way. For us, it was the same way. We're going to talk productivity with people who like productivity about productivity things and all this other stuff. But as you probably know, the knowledge, the wisdom that 
can be obtained through talking with people about whatever it is that makes them excited has has this this uncanny ability to just teach us and and motivate us and amplify us and and you know it's yeah something that i've been trying to figure out you know there's there's a big at the time of recording this there's a big conference uh for the python developers out there uh, about to start and i have yet to attend uh this this conference pycon uh pycon us which is in cleveland ohio and a lot of that is at one point it was due to like, oh, I'm not experienced enough to understand what's going on. Now I feel like that's a myth. I can fully understand what's going on. But for a while there was a a barrier of like, well, I'm not a real Python developer. I don't I don't work as a Python developer. So all of these Python devs are going to be talking about Django and Flask and all these uh, and re- the request module and everything else. And because I'm not a developer, I'm not going to fit in. I'm not going to understand the stories and things like that. It took me hearing the stories of people around me, people like me, to realize that that's a myth. And I think that is something that your show does a really good job of doing. It it takes people off of the mountaintop. It takes people off of the pedestal and brings them down to where you are. Yeah, I think that that totally makes sense. And I'm glad to hear you say that because I, I think that really is one of the things that I would like for the show to accomplish is say that, yes, we are all humans doing this thing. And and you might think that that, you know, Uncle Bob Martin is up on up on the yogi up on the hill who knows everything. And 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 to hear him talking on my show about the time that he got fired because he was not professional and didn't do the things. And and I, I think that's you know, I, I always ask for a failure story on the show, as you know, Jay. And uh, I think that that's where we, you know, so many times those those biggest lessons that we learn, the, the things that we take away are from those downtimes, the, the times that that where things everything fell apart, and and you don't forget that. And so I think that makes a lot of sense. And what you said too about uh, that you know people into productivity, uh, but it's not necessarily about productivity itself. And th- you know, there's been a lot of times on Developer on Fire that I've had guests that talked about a story of success, right? Something going really right where it wasn't even software at all, right? They changed some business process, right? They they came in hired to do software but realized that, hey, there's there's some non-technical way to deliver this value better than it is with the software. And and so let's do that, right? And, and I think that that's, that's really the, the gist of both software and productivity is that it's, it's really only a net benefit if, if it's actually doing something that provides some good for somebody. And that's, you know, I, one of the focuses that I've had on, on Developer on Fire is about delivering value. And it's, it's really just that, right? What, what is value is kind of in the early days of the show, I was, I was, I asked, I asked guests all the time, what is value? And I asked for definitions and uh, I don't do that anymore, but I think there was, there were some really insightful things that came out of asking that question because that, that's, that's really at the heart of what it is that we're trying to do is, is to benefit somebody in some way. And if we're not doing that, then, then ultimately uh, there, there's really not any reason for us to be doing anything at all. And and earlier you mentioned um, when we were well before we jumped on on the air and I think we were talking in Slack back and forth. You said you mentioned that like oh by the way I don't have like any notes or anything. Are we just going to wing it? And I was like oh yeah no that that's that's how we do here. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons for 
doing that is because I've learned people put too much time into planning. Uh, yeah. If if I gave you five questions that were like, okay, tell us a story about this, tell us a story about that, and and not to not to, I mean, obviously that's something that you do, but not to knock that. But I've I've just learned that not having the course allows people to drive around. And like, if, if you've ever, you know, been wandering around some area that you've never been to before, you might, you stumble across things. And when you do that, even in life, like even when you're having a conversation with someone, I, I never know where a conversation is going to lead. I never know what questions I'm going to ask. But by the end of it, I, I think there's only been one time where I just, I was like, I got nothing out of this. Like out of, out of yeah. the hundred plus episodes that we've, we've put out, like only maybe once, maybe once. And I'm, I'm thinking of one specifically. And the only reason I'm thinking of that one is because it was designed to be that way. It was designed to be a, like, we're going to talk about the product. And, and I even put on my best NPR voice and got really close to the mic and was like, Oh, welcome to productivity and tech. And, and it was, it was so different that at the end of it, I was like, I never want to do that again. And I think since then, we've just never had questions. Well, you know, I, early in the, in the days of developer on fire, I had this list of here are the standard questions. And I would ask all of the guests, most of those standard questions. And during the evolution of the show, it's, it's gotten to a point where there are three questions that I ask every guest and the rest of it just kind of drives and sees where it goes and, and that kind of thing. So I, I think that uh, th there is an element of some scripted kind of, uh, you know, here's, here's the outline that I do, but uh, with latitude to, uh, you know, to kind of move. So I, I think that it's, I, I think you're right about that. I believe it was Mike Tyson, right? Said that you know that, that everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face, right? And I think that's uh, you you can try to plan everything in your life, but without some spontaneity, without some ability to react, some of those things, and and really, I mean, related to productivity, right? I you know I know a lot of people who are into productivity will try to you know I've got everything calendared and you know my my day is planned and all of that kind of stuff, and I think that's fine and good, and a lot of software people have kind of this attitude of I need to work without interruptions and all of that kind of stuff. And and there's virtue in that because software is an activity that requires deep focus and and yes, breaking your context is is very costly. But if somebody needs something from you and you're not able to respond to that, if you're not able to go with the flow and and do that, I mean there's there's got to be a balance, right? I mean you do need to have uninterrupted time. But at the same time, you know, if, if you really want to deliver value, if you really want to serve an organization or a client or customers, whatever it is, right? You've got to be able to respond to the real needs that change all the time of real human beings. And as a podcaster, I mean, we, we have checklists. Like it, it's not to say that everything we do is absolutely by the seat of our pants. I mean, at, you know, sure. as a developer, like I write tests, I want to make sure things work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have a Git process. So like when I'm writing code, like, okay, I need to make sure I have a, you know, I commit this code and make sure I push it. I need to make sure that I send things to Roku. And there are steps, scripts, whatever that navigate that process. But I, I think that there's often a disconnect in people believing that like you're either 
100% put everything in a calendar and OmniFocus and whatever you're using and, or you're not. And I think that that is something, that's a myth that I'm trying to like dispel now because there is, there's something to say about like, what is, what is it like Wabi Sabi? Like, you know, just kind of having, having like go with the flow, but yet also know the steps in which you're doing things. Like, I think I, I like to think of the karate kid, you know, with that of like, <laughs> you know, everything that he was doing was a process, but it wasn't, it wasn't like Mr. Miyagi was saying, I'm, I'm going to teach you this, but you're going to know about it. So like the lessons that we learn are often in, in ways that we didn't plan for. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's the ultimate example there of trusting the process, right? You, you don't know where this is going, but, but you ultimately get somewhere and there's frustration along the way. And, you know, it's, it's not really until you let some of that energy out that you realize that, Hey, Hey, I am actually producing something and, and some of these kinds of things. And so, yeah, I think, I think you, you make a lot of sense there. It, it's really, you know, I hear a lot of people say too about, uh, you know, email, right? Email is, is always kind of the, the big, uh, the big deal in productivity circles. Right? You, you mentioned inbox zero and all of that kind of stuff, which I am a big believer in uh, maintaining a zero item inbox and, and that that really matters. Uh, you know, you hear people say that you shouldn't check your email in the morning because you're letting somebody else be, you know, dictate your agenda and some of those kinds of things or check mail, uh, you know, once a day or a very small number of times a day. To me, I, th I think that misses the point a little bit uh, because it's, you, you need to be able able to be available, right? And you need to be able to respond to things that need your attention. I think that, you know, good inbox hygiene involves, you know, being able to say that, okay, I'm not going to do this now. I need to designate a time that I am going to do it and some of those kinds of things. Um, so, and, and I think some tools really help with that kind of stuff. Uh, but but the, the, the idea that I'm going to be productive by, by shutting out the world, I, I think that's, that's just not really the, the, the way that, uh, that you, can, you can best serve what you need to serve. Well, in, in talking about kind of having those, those guidelines and, and trusting the process, um, I, I think one of the biggest things that people, like, I guess they're afraid of is telling someone no or, or not not feeling like they are, like you said, they need to be approachable. They need to be able to help that person, but you need to make the rules in which you're helping yeah. them. Like you're yeah. not dropping everything else, you know, to pick up their work, but you also need to be able to say, Hey, I understand, or I empathize with uh, whatever the problem is. And I, I want to see a solution in this. However, here are my priorities. And this is where this sits in that list of things that need to get done. So I will work on it tomorrow. I will work on it this afternoon. Uh, just whatever it is that allows you to be available, be responsive, but also kind of guide and dictate your own life. That's an important point that I think is something that I've taken away from 
call it service-oriented architecture or uh, the, the, the terms uh, in, in software often, you know, I, I, if I say SOA, you, you probably think I mean something than, than what I mean, right? Because everybody uses these terms differently. Um, maybe domain-driven design, something along those lines of, of thinking about uh, responsibilities, of, of being able to break down a complex system into smaller pieces that are easier to think about. And in, in doing that, right, I, I kind of uh, subscribe to the Udi Dahan School of Service-Oriented Architecture, uh, which he, he talks a lot about having uh, commands and events in your system as, as some of the, uh, the things that, that drive uh, the, the messages that pass between different pieces of your system. And uh, you know, commands, right, are, are, are where you are actually saying, hey, go and do something, right? And, and events are, are basically more of a reporting that something has happened and other pieces of a system might subscribe to different types of events and be able to respond to those things. And when I think about how to apply commands and events in a system, it, I, I, I get to thinking about, well, who has the authority to command something? Right. And to me, you know, to, to use the domain driven design term, right, within a bounded context is the only place that I think commands are appropriate. And I, I think about that in it kind of it, what we were talking there about autonomy of different pieces of a system and uh, within a certain uh, bounded context is, is the place where commands can be issued and that they will be responded to by actually executing on that command, as opposed to when you cross boundaries right, then you don't really have the authority to issue a command somewhere else, which I think is a really good analogy to, uh, to human autonomy, right? There's no person in the world that can tell me you must do this, right? Tell me what to do, except for my wife, of course, right? Um, except for myself, right? I mean, I'm, I'm the one who is able to command myself. And I, I, I mean, of course, there are people who have, uh, you know, they, they give me some, uh, some currency in exchange for being able to tell me that they, that they they want to do something or something like that, but it's it's not necessarily a command. It's really an offer of will you do this for this money, right? Uh, so you have autonomy and you are able to respond to uh, what are essentially requests, right? Nobody's able to issue a command to you. So when you're when you're looking at that inbox and and people are saying that hey, uh, you know that you are letting somebody else's agenda dictate your agenda or you know, somebody else's dictate somebody else's agenda dictate your um, you know, your activity, right? That's not necessarily the case, right? You are looking at requests in that inbox, which yes, you know, like you said, you can say no, right? Requests can be denied or they can be deferred, right? And I think that that's the key insight into, into all of the things that, that we're talking about here, as well as kind of this, this idea of ser service-oriented architecture, right? Uh, a request is, is not a command and you can, you can reject it. Well, I, I think, and, and this, this analogy should apply no matter what computer system you use, but like that user, user account control policy, where when some, you're letting someone, you have to give them permission to allow them to dictate what's going on in your yeah. life. Like you can, you can tell your boss no. And sometimes there may be consequences to that. Just like where if some program says, Hey, I need access to your registry. And, and it's like, you're like, no, you don't get that. And <laughs> it's like, well, then the program doesn't run. Sorry. Um, you know, or if you yeah. don't agree to terms, then you can't create an account. Um, but there is, there's something to say about filtering out those things, those people, those processes that 
while they may provide some immediate benefit, what they can also do is is clutter up your your mindset, your process, your lifestyle. And and one of the questions that I have, uh, you know, I'm always interested about this with podcasters is you talk to a lot of people. You do a lot of interviews and you've done a lot of interviews and with that you're always hearing people's ideas. Right now I'm I'm selling you an idea. Um how do you work to filter out uh, the wheat from the chaff in, 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 in those interviews and in the people that you talk with? Because I know not every developer is going to give you sound wisdom. I mean, if you ever go to Stack Overflow, that is very <laughs> clear. <laughs> but how do, you, how do you determine what you want to add to your life and to your processes um, versus what do you want to kind of filter out? Well, that's that's an interesting and deep question. I'm I, I might push back a little bit in the idea that uh, that that there are developers that don't really have the wisdom to share. I think really everybody has a story to tell, and there's something to take away from people's stories. Now, I have said that I reserve the right to record an episode and decide that it's not worth publishing. And I've thought about it a couple times. I've thought maybe I shouldn't publish this, uh, but I haven't done it yet. I, I actually did. There was one recording that I didn't publish it, but that wasn't at, that wasn't because I decided it wasn't worth it. It was it was because the guest asked me not to. Uh, but I, I have I have yet to record and say no. This isn't worthy of going out. I, although I have considered it. Um, but so I, I think that everybody really does have some wisdom, something to share. There's, there, there are, there, there's, I, you know, I, I firmly believe kind of getting philosophical that there, that there is goodness in every, everyone. And I, I don't think that there's really anybody who, who is lacking in, in something that you can take away. So I, and I don't think that you're saying that, but, but, but yes, the Stack Overflow example, yes, there, there, there are a lot of answers that have, really, that's what makes Stack Overflow beautiful is that that voting system really just puts things right to the top right away. I'd say as far as guests on my podcast, I've I've gotten, I mean, early on in the show, I was cold emailing people and who I knew were going to be excellent guests, people who I had followed and, and who I had learned a lot from. You know, hey, will you will you be on my show? Will you try this thing? Um, now it's more that guests of the show recommend other guests and listeners right, send in requests and say, hey, here's somebody I want to hear from. And uh, and typically, if, if somebody says, hey, I want to hear this person, I, I go ahead and do it. I mean, I have said no to a few, but for the most part, it's, it's you know, I, I think people are worth listening to. And I've yet to come across somebody that I, I walked away from the interview saying, uh, you know, th that this was just not good. This was, this was not, I mean, th there are times that I finished the interview and thought I'm going to have to listen back to this and think about it. But it, it always has seemed to turn out that it's better when I listen to it than, than I thought when I was actually recording it. So um, I, I don't know if that really answers the question of how to, uh, to, to get the weed from the chaff. I, I think there is um, a bit of, I, I call it, I, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily naturally talented at getting, uh, getting people to, uh, to tell stories in a way that's interesting. Uh, although I have been told that I have that talent. And uh, actually, I received a really, really nice email from a, a very prominent uh, functional programming expert that, that said just that, right? That, that when the guests are good, 
excited that I bring out the best in them. So um, maybe there's an element of that there's uh, that, that there's something good, and I don't know really how I learned that. It seems like it just kind of has come naturally that that getting stories out of folks has worked for me. No, I, I think you are, and and the worst part about that was, as you mentioned, a, a functional programmer. I I immediately came up with a joke, <laughs> which was kind of bad because it was like. It was like, wait a minute, you had a you had a functional programmer tell you something about your podcast that they were able to get out of. I, I didn't think people like that were very object oriented. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that there's some nerd humor there to, to lighten it up. Yeah. But but I, I don't I, I think you definitely answered the question. I think something that you know we've kind of been touching on with this is that we both interact with developers across the board, whether you're the senior developer, you're, you know, employee number four at, you know, Apple or whatever, or you are the person who is doing like free code camp for the first time and going through your first hundred days of code. Uh, We interact with those people and there is something to get out of each in every individual. Um, so that being said, I do want to ask some questions about some of your previous guests on the podcast. So what has been a lesson that you learned from one of your guests that you never would have even imagined learning before? One of the, the the statements that I keep going back to that I say all the time, I wrote a blog post about it on the Simple Programmer site, and I can get you a link if you, if you want that, uh, was that when Aslak Helisoy was on the show in the early days, I, I think it was in the 20s of episode numbers, and I'm, I'm over 420 now, you know, so, uh, something like that. Uh, when Aslak was, was on, he's the, uh, the, the creator of Cucumber, um, he... He said it was a very simple statement, and he, he said that it was kind of a shower epiphany uh, as he was getting ready to uh, to get on the show with me. And he, he just test your understanding was was the very simple statement that he put forward, and he he kind of likened it to uh, to you know, talking to a child, right? That when when you when you tell a kid about something when you try to tell tell your son or daughter uh, that you know explain something to them you you ask them to repeat it back to you in in a way that they can understand and that way you can tell if they if they actually understood the thing and he said that's what we should be doing as software developers right we need to in, instead of saying yeah got it right instead of saying that yeah I understand this uh, this user story this requirement this this need that this business has, you need to state it in your own words. You need to tell them back that uh, here's what I understood this to mean, and that that is a is is a huge step in 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 getting toward actually understanding and actually verifying that you have understanding. Uh, another guest that I had on the show, Indy Young, um, she she wrote a book called Practical Empathy, and she's all about. Uh, interviewing users and really understanding needs and and those kinds of things, and I've she, I've seen some some YouTube videos with her doing uh, and and some other folks as well doing doing something called empathy empathy circles, and th- this uh, this this form of conversation it, it's very cumbersome, 
um, because it, it involves that uh, one person will state something and then the other person states it back to them. And you don't proceed on, uh, into talking about something else into the other person making a statement until the, the person who talked says, I feel heard. And it's pretty remarkable that uh, to, to see that, uh, that, that kind of interaction, that kind of really checking that the message was received before moving on. I mean, think about it as TCP, right? That, that you're uh, sending acknowledgments back on, on the message, but not only acknowledgments, a restating of the, uh, of, of the, the statements that, that came to you uh, th that is acknowledged then again, right, by, by the original sender. And uh, so I, I think that, that that form of communication, right, I, I think it is uh, very heavy, right? Uh, and so, I mean, there's a reason that UDP exists in addition to TCP. Uh, but, uh, but to really, really dig deep and make sure that you understand what somebody needs, what they say, it's, uh, that's a remarkable thing that I, I think kind of fits the bill of what you're asking for there. I, I like that. And I, I like the idea of ensuring what you are hearing is what the speaker or what the person who is giving guidance or direction is trying to convey yeah. uh, effectively. Um, and, and I, I always think that is like, there are so many people who are very good at explaining things, but feel like they're not. And the problem isn't that they're not good at explaining it. It is the people that they are explaining it to are not very good at receiving it. <laughs> and, um, that is, I think I'm trying to remember the, the phrase or the quote, and it was like, um, Argue as if you were wrong. Argue as if you know you're wrong and listen and speak as if you know you're right. I think that's the way I think that's the way it's like, like, listen, if you listen as if you know you're wrong and then speak as if you know you're right. Mm. Um, so kind of with that, like when you speak, speak with confidence and speak with uh, enough clarification that you can convey what you're trying to get across. But when you listen, don't listen from the position of. I'm listening to you because I have to. It's, it's, I'm listening because I am hoping to gain insight or information from you. And, and I, I think that, uh, I think that's what that idea is. They, you know, making sure you're understood, making sure you, you understand what you're trying to convey really does. Yeah. I think that's right. I, I think. Humility is a virtue, right? I mean, that, that's common knowledge that it is virtuous to, to be humble. But, but what is humility is uh, something that I, I've thought about a lot. And I, I think there are different forms of humility. And it's, it's, uh, this is something I wrote about on my, on my newsletter recently, that, uh, that when, when, when I go and ask Google for a definition of humility, uh, it, it's the, the definition says something like, you know, having a modest or low self image or something like that. And I'm like, well, maybe that's a definition of humility, but that's not the virtuous kind, right? The having a low self image is that's not really what drives value. That's not what makes you listen to other people. That's, that's just, uh, that, that's, you know, I mean, if, if you, if you are going to be good to people, I think you need to be good to yourself. And if you have a low self image, well, it's pretty hard to be good to yourself. I, I think that the, the, the self image thing there doesn't make any sense, but, but the humility that says that, uh, you know, this person that I'm speaking to, um, 
yes, there may be something that I can teach them, but there's almost certainly something that they can teach me. That's that to me is where humility becomes virtuous. So um, I, I don't know that 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 sounded kind of good to me there. I, I don't know maybe a, that, that, but but I, I have a feeling that there's that there's that there's an insight in there that that this, you know there's there's something I can take away from what you have to say, and that's that's where we where you know where there's where there's some potential for some growth. Absolutely, and and I. I don't know why I'm very quotey today. It's like I have like all these like quotes and sayings and thoughts in my head. But um, there was another one that's like the smartest person in the room is the person that realizes that they're not the smartest person in the room. Ah, the wisdom <laughs> of Socrates. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it's it's so interesting to do that. And as someone who has podcasted as long as you have, how is how do you combat that idea of like, yes, someone 300 episodes ago said the exact same thing. Like, how do you create the difference between guest number five and guest number 55 and guest number 105? Um, that is something that, like, my solution was I just keep bringing the same people back on and then we just expand even deeper <laughs> into the conversations. But uh, I, I do like bringing in new new guests to get new insights from people, but I do catch myself at times wanting to refer back to what someone else mentioned in an earlier episode of my podcast. How do you how do you create that skill of treating each conversation as the unique conversation that you are having? I'm not sure I've really given much thought to that. You know, Joe Rogan is probably the biggest podcaster in the world, right? I mean, millions of people are listening to him. And um, it, it's, uh, I, I heard Jordan Peterson talking about Joe Rogan saying that, you know, hey, he's this enormous podcaster and kind of asking him about, you know, how do you, how do you, uh, how do you deal with that, that thought that, that you are kind of the most, you know, the most, the most powerful media personality in the history of humanity. And Joe's response is basically just, I don't think about it. I just have conversations, right? And I, I think that there is a simplicity. There's, there's just a pure, uh, just a pure joy of human interaction that that's just shines through in that response, right? That 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 is, it's it's just as simple as that, right? Every being in the moment in every human interaction, and and I do that too, right? I mean, I'm, I'm as I'm as I'm talking to somebody for a podcast interview, you know, the the thought pops into my mind that oh yes, that connects to what you know, as like Hellasoy said you know, three years ago, uh, th that does happen. And I do make those connections and I do point them out on the show. Um, but I don't think that necessarily takes me out of the moment and that here's this interaction. I think that, uh, making those connections is, is, uh, it, it helps to, to me to, to connect, you know, what, whether it's, you know, taking a, a lesson that I learned from coaching my kids soccer team and applying that to, interacting with with a software team right Th that same kind of idea of that 
you know what I what I heard from uh, from one guest, and and maybe expanding that point with another with another guest, I think is is a piece of just being in the moment and and uh, you know drawing on the uh, you know what I have on disc, right? Pulling some of that information out of disc and and putting it into memory and and processing on that for uh, to to come up with an answer to uh, to the question that's been asked of my function. I love that. And before I before we wrap this up and go into the after show, uh, I want to go back to something that you mentioned uh, with the second guest that you really gained a lot of a lot from with the idea of the empathy circle. Uh, one thing that I did with a good friend of mine, April Wenzel, um, another very very awesome developer slash entrepreneur. She runs um, Compassion Programming and her Compassionate Programming, I should say. Uh, one of the things that they did with us was a round robin programming session. And we had to break up into teams of three. And in that, one person could touch the keyboard. One person could tell the person touching the keyboard what to type. And the other person could only ask questions. And the questions were never allowed to be about what was written. It could only be about what needs to be written. And because of that, what would happen is it would kind of complete this circle that we've been, we've been talking around, you know, this entire conversation. You would have someone who has to think ahead but also has to know how to convey what they are trying to get across in a way that another person can understand. And that person has to be able to process the information as well as direct or lead another person who has to completely resort on their listening skills to make sure that they are effectively typing the instructions that they've been given. And, and you do that in five minute intervals and then you, you rotate and then the, the person who, and, and that's the hardest part because the person who's asking the questions, when they get their hands on the keyboard, they want to go and put in all that code that they've thought about. But it's like, no, I, I don't get to do that. I now have to listen to what the other person who's been listening to me talk. I have to listen to what their suggestions are and, and operate off of that. And the exercise was very challenging. <laughs> um, one of the hardest reasons was we had someone who was learning how to program and it was literally their first week writing code ever. And that was, it was very eye opening as to one, how much I knew, but also how much I still didn't know because I was able to learn things from this person who had just picked up uh, programming. And the other side of that was I realized that there are other, like you said, there are other voices in the room. There are yeah. other voices on the microphone as, as we're talking now. And that as a host, my greatest asset is to know what questions to ask, ask them, and then get out of the way and there listen you know. while my guest is educating not just my audience, but educating me. And, and that is something that I wrestle with every single week and every single interview. 
Um, that is the the selfish person in me that wants to jump up and take <laughs> still the light. But yeah, I've really been able to learn more just having these conversations. Yeah, you learn a lot more from listening than you than you do from from running your mouth is is for sure. And you know, as you were talking about the uh, the that programming exercise, which I which I think sounds wonderful. I, I think it's it's similar to what Llewellyn Falco calls strong style pairing, but uh, with a tw- with the twist of the the person asking questions. I don't think it's something that that he includes. But I was thinking about um, you know getting nine year old boys to uh, to make a run on a soccer field, right? Instead of, you know, it's, uh, I think about my son's team that, uh, you know, six months ago in our fall season, they were, um, the, you know, the, the, the ball would be in a place and I would see three boys run to where the ball was. And now I see them uh, spreading out, right? One takes the ball and I see the, the other two getting into position. And, and we, we, have, we have boys moving without the ball and getting to where we are, we're starting to have assists on the goals that we score. And it's a lot of different things coming together at the same time to make for that success. And it's astounding that it's working, right? Every time that that uh, we're in a game, and you know, I, I see one of those plays where a kid is in the right spot before the ball gets there because he hustled to that spot to uh, to, to make the play before the play was even uh, even there, right? Getting there. It, it just it, it it thrills me, and uh, and and I think that's that's really uh, along the lines of what we're talking about with with this kind of communication and receiving and all of the different pieces that go into uh, a really absolutely. Great and I, I think it's time for us to wrap up this conversation because we do have an after show to get to. So before we do that, please remind everybody about your podcast and if people want to get in touch with you, how they can do that. All right. Well, developeronfire.com is the site for the show, uh, releasing a, an interview every week. So, so that's there. Go ahead and subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and all of that jazz. Uh, Railyard on Twitter. That's my, my last name, R-A-E-L, and then Yard. I, that, that was kind of a nickname I picked up in college, and I have uh, just stuck with that. So uh, you can, I'm not a, a uh, really avid Twitter user, but DMs are open. So if you want to get in touch with me there, uh, that's that's all good. And uh, if you start listening to the show and decide that you really love it, I've got members.developeronfire.com if you want to uh, to get a little bit deeper in the experience. And uh, you know, for, for a few bucks, you can uh, get some uh, monthly uh, video chats via Zoom and some of that kind of stuff and, and some extra benefits that are there. So uh, those are probably the best ways to uh, get in touch and to keep You've been listening to the Productivity in Tech podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Productivity in Tech, the services that we provide, or our community and how to get involved, head over to productivityintech.com or follow us on Twitter at prod underscore in underscore tech. Thank you to Nadir Omawali for the use of his song, A Hustler in Spite of Myself, for the intro and outro music. I've been your host, Jay Miller. You can follow me on Twitter at KJY Miller. Thank you for listening. I hope we've been productive. Have a great day.